0: Hi, it's Michaela here at Lactation Station. Welcome back to my podcast. Before we get into the podcast, I do have some updates that I want to talk about and some changes that I've made. If you've been to the website, you saw that I started offering lactation boxes. Now, these aren't subscriptions. It's just a one-time price, and it depends on where you are in your journey. There's different size boxes for for different levels that you're at. I also have some fun cups, mugs, water bottles, and blender bottles that have cute little sayings on them, you know, just to help encourage you with your journey. And my lightation services, such as my one-on-one Zoom meetings, are still available. At the bottom of the page, there's a button that you can click on for appointments, and it'll take you to all the items that are available, and then you can just go from there. I'm really excited about the boxes. There's a lot of different things in there, things that I've tried that work things that um, are new that I've just discovered, you know, and just sharing fun stuff that I find as well as tried and true items. So go check it out if you haven't already, lactationstation2020.com. And if you haven't already, join our Facebook group at Lactation Station 2020. There are so many smart and wonderful ladies there. I promise you won't be disappointed. All right, so let's talk about inducing. Now, this episode is probably going to be outside of the normal things that I talk about um, in a different kind of way, but I was reading some stuff online, and it just really set me off. So I was on the internet a couple of days ago looking for some cute little memes to post, you know, about lactating and inducing and that kind of stuff, and I googled induced lactation, and some of what came up actually astounded me. Google, in, it, in its infinite wisdom, gave me articles on induced lactation in cows. Yep, in cows. So if you listen to my early podcast, I did one about human milk versus cow's milk. And you may already know how I feel about this. But honestly, I was unable to resist and I headed down the rabbit hole. So my first article that I read was titled Induced Lactation Technology in Dairy Cattle and it was by Dr. Rajesh Singh, and it was written in September 6th, 2020. So this study was done in India in an attempt to find a solution to non-producing dairy cows. Since slaughter is illegal in India, farmers bear the burden of caring for the, um, the animals that do nothing to help the farm. So they're burdened with feeding them and taking care of them, even though they're not doing anything to benefit the farmer. And there were so many interesting things in this article, but I'm just going to stick to a few. Now, prior to inducing, two weeks before, two weeks before they're induced, the cows are given five milliliters of vitamin A, and their diet is adjusted to, you know, to produce the best milk. Um, their inducing protocol is seven days of two injections of an estrogen progesterone combination. And there's one injection in the morning and one at night. And they're exactly 12 hours apart. Now, the interesting part is the amount of estrogen and progesterone that they get is based on their weight. So, you know, a a cow that's a little on the smaller side gets less and a cow that's a little on the bigger side gets more. So during that seven days, they are also given sodium bicarbonate or antacids and they get 500 grams of that a day. On the fifth day, um, there's somebody that's responsible for massaging the udders and the teats. And that's, that starts for 10 minutes in the morning and 10 minutes at night on the 10th, 11th, 12th, and 13th day, they are injected with reserpine or reserpine i'm not exactly how to say that along with dexamethasone and that all goes into an iv now reserpine is used in humans to treat hypertension and it actually does in fact suppress dopamine it's also used as a horse tranquilizer in india i just thought it was pretty interesting that that's what they use, the reserpine, which here in the United States, we use that for hypertension. On the 14th day, an injection of calcium, magnesium, and phosphorus is given. From the fourth day to the 15th day, the animal is fed 30 grams of cumin and satawar. Now, I had to look that up. I didn't know what satawar was, S-A-T-A-W-A-R. Well, as it turns out, satawar is also called shatavari. So the cows are fed 300 grams of cumin and shatavari, and that's divided into 10 equal parts, or the article states, any other available galactagogues. So they're basically doing the same thing we do. So they're, they're putting them on essentially a birth control, the estrogen and their progesterone, and then they're giving them galactagogues in addition to that. So any milk produced between the 11th day to the 20th day, they feed back to the cow. That's kind of weird, but I guess there's a point to it. I don't, there, it didn't say in the article. And then from the 21st day onward, the milk can be used for human consumption. So once again, I'm perplexed as to why induced cow's milk Is fit for human consumption, but human-induced milk cannot be donated. You know, that brings that point right back up to me. I don't understand why that's a thing. If we can drink, I mean, because we don't know. You know, the milk that we buy at the grocery store, you don't know if that's regular cow had a baby milk or cow has something wrong so they induced it milk it's just milk. So I don't, you know, what I don't, I wish I knew what the logic was behind, um, not being able to donate induced milk. And I did reach out to members of different organizations that run, you know, donated milk for hospitals and stuff. And none of them wanted to talk to me. So if any of them happened to listen to my tiny little podcast, and want to talk to me about this, my email address is lactationstation2020 at gmail.com. And I'd really love to know why if you induce lactation, you can't donate that milk. Okay, so the animal reaches peak milk production on the 40th day. So the article also states that in order to obtain optimum yield of milk, the owner must give a nutrient-rich diet. Okay. So all of this sounds uh, all of this is very interesting and sounds a lot like what we already do as humans. So stick with me here because I have a theory. And in almost all the articles I read, the dairy farmer saw a 93% result in cows and heifers producing. That's a big number, 93%. And they all produced um large amounts of milk. Uh, you know, enough to make them viable parts of the dairy farm. It wasn't just little drops. So I think the key here is the birth control protocol. And they they probably don't call it that for the cows, but that's what it is. It's the birth control protocol, protocol. And theirs is based on weight. Smaller cows get less, larger cows get more. Okay, so here we go. What if it's the same for people? And let me start with saying, I'm not saying you should go out and take higher doses of anything. Always check with your doctor before any medication changes. I'm just postulating a theory here. I have talked to and met several women who have, after following the BC protocol, still had issues producing. What if these ladies weren't average? What if some some of them were below average? Or what if some of them were above average? And honestly, I have no idea what average is. I'm 5'5", 140 pounds. My doctor says I'm overweight. So clearly I'm not average. But, you know, um, some people are heavier and some people are smaller. So what happens? We all know about um, Dr. Newman's protocols. So let's take a look at those for a minute. Now, we all know what birth control is for. It's to prevent pregnancy. So studies show that heavier women may have issues with using birth control effectively and how it moves through their system. Unfortunately, the science on heavy or obese women and birth control was sadly lacking. The only thing that I did find was um, I found an article by Dr. Ganesh Shirala I'm not I probably totally muted that name it's C H E R A L A and they are a senior pharmaceutical scientist at Conrad in Washington D.C. and he's they study how heaviness and obesity <clears throat> sorry I am really having a problem with a dry throat today <clears> throat> they study how heaviness and obesity affects the way birth control pills are processed in the body. Dr. Sharala co-wrote a review published in 2014, an expert review of clinical pharmacology, and his research found that it takes twice as long for oral contra- contraceptives to reach optimal levels in heavy and obese women. So that's really the only thing, concrete, you know, something, That I could find. There were different articles that said, well, maybe this and maybe that, but there was nothing concrete. So that was the only concrete article that I could find. And forget trying to find info on underweight women. That was non existent. I don't, you know, and I don't think that people realize that underweight women have problems too. And if you're a woman that can't put on weight, You know, there could be medical reasons for that, but people just look at you and go, oh, you don't have a problem. You're pencil thin. But, you know, there could be medical reasons for that too. Okay. So anyway, back to the protocols. So regular protocol states before the baby is due, take active birth control each day. And that just simply means none of the sugar pills. So it says take active birth control, not how much or what kind. It just says take it. On the accelerated protocol, it suggests Yasmin or Microgestin for 30 to 60 days nonstop only active pills. Now I looked up both of these birth controls and they're both combination pills, but nowhere does it say how much of each thing is in there. It doesn't tell you the ratio of estrogen to progesterone. It just tells you that it has it in it. So the menopausal protocol calls for the same birth control taken the same way here's my thing. If farmers are figuring out that cows need to be put on protocols based on their weight in order for inducing to be effective, this is good science. And I think, you know, that needs to be public. People need to know this because if you, and I don't, you know, I don't mean to offend anybody, We all know that birth control protocol is a great way to start inducing, but what if somebody weighs 200 pounds? Why would she take the same dose as somebody that weighs 130? You know, I never thought about this until I read this article and it makes complete sense. Just like a baby. If a baby weighs 15 pounds and needs an antibiotic and the baby in the next room weighs 35 pounds, the baby that is 15 pounds is not going to get the same dosage as the baby that weighs 35 pounds. It's going to be different. And I think this is an amazing door. And things like this, this is why the door to the inducing world has to open up. Because what if it isn't one size fits all? What if the dose that works for Mary won't work for Joanne because of a 30 pound weight difference. You know, so many times I see various other group in various other groups, women stating things like her OBGYN told her if she hasn't had children, she can't induce or even lactation consultants who say, well, it's possible, but it's so hard. It really isn't worth it. Well, you don't get to decide if it's worth it or not. If it's possible, then tell me how. As long as the medical profession continues to be uneducated about lactation, finding the solutions we need will continue to be impossible. We need to be able to talk to our doctors and ask these questions. Wouldn't it be great if you could talk to your doctor and say, I plan on inducing and I weigh this much and he can say, oh, well, you should take two pills instead of one or whatever the case may be. I just, you know, it just I don't I don't understand wh- why people are talking about it in cows but we can't talk about it as people. You know, it's just one of those things. I really wish if there's somebody in this world that hears this podcast, you can help me understand why it's okay to talk about this stuff in animals and not in people. You know, I really thought this information on the cows was really interesting. And it just opened up a lot of questions for me as to how all the BC protocols work. So I don't, you know, I don't know, ladies, what the solution is. But clearly it's working in the bovine community. You know, they don't, a 93% um, increase rate. You know, if they had 100 cows and 93% of those cows went from non-producing cows to producing cows... That's an extraordinary statistic. And if they talked about it enough to um, make them viable parts of the dairy farm, then, you know, that tells me that they're making large amounts of milk. Not that I ever want to make as much milk as a cow, but I'm just saying if it's working in the dairy farms and the bovine community, we need to, I need to know more about this. All right. So that's it for this week. I, um, you know, I just thought it was really interesting. This stuff about the, the, um, the inducing with the, the cows that just, I'm like, what? So maybe if you're close with your doctor or, you know, somebody in the medical community that you can take this question to, I would really love some kind of answer. I live in Las Vegas and there's not a dairy farm anywhere near me. So I can't go talk to a farmer because if I could, you can damn well bet I would just to hear more about what they're doing. So let's give some stuff away. The winner of our monthly giveaway, which is a t-shirt, a cute little journal, and a bag of milk dust, a sample bag of milk dust is Moonlit Plaid. At yahoo.com. That's moonlit M-O-O-N-L-I-T plaid P-L-A-I-D at Yahoo.com. And the winner of the lactation box is bspringm Spring M33 at Yahoo.com. B Spring M33 at Yahoo.com. And you know, what the heck? Let's give away two. Let's give the second one to Wanda, N-R-R at AOL.com. So um, if I announced your email, I will send you an email to let you know that you won. And then you can just shoot me your address and I will be more than happy to get those out to you as soon as I possibly can. All right, well, that's it for this episode. I hope you found it as interesting as I did. And don't forget, you can keep up with me on social media. On Facebook, at Lactation Station 2020. On Instagram, it's Micah0000466. On Twitter, it's Michaela17710726. I don't know why they gave me. I feel like that's like a prison number or something, you know? When you see the, the picture of the number, I feel like that's what Twitter gave me. Um, on Reddit at Micah00004, on TikTok, at Michaela Hodges CBS. And if you're feeling particularly froggy, you can subscribe to my Patreon page. There's some videos there that I promise you won't see anywhere else. And you just have to search Michaela Hodges. You can also email me at lactationstation2020 at gmail.com. Go stop by the website at lactationstation2020.com. And... That's it for today, ladies. So have a great day, and I look forward to talking to you again.